0: It's great to be here. Thank you, guys. Thank you, worship team. And uh, great to have you guys up here. And um, I'm excited about today. And uh, I know Chris mentioned it already, but we're excited about our midweek service this week. Uh, We're having a Thanksgiving meal together. And it's really for everybody, for all the adults, all the kids. Uh, We're making turkey, chicken, all the fixings and everything and uh, so we felt like at this time of year, we need to be together and we need to, you know, build family and rebuild family and have just just sit across the table from one another. So we're excited to uh, celebrate and we're going to have some time at our small tables to kind of share what we're grateful for. And, you know, I'm excited uh, to maybe that'll kick off our uh, holiday season in a great way. And uh, we're blessed to have uh, Jason and Justine here, aren't we? And um, they have this new tradition that when you're serving in Kids' Kingdom at the first of the month, you get like a whole spread. So like donuts and like fruit and all these special goodies there. And I made sure that I told people that I, I had nothing to do with that, that that was all Justine and just making it special for the teacher. So... Uh, if you're serving, you've already experienced that. If you're going to serve next year, you have something to look forward to, uh, you get snacks. So that's a, that's a bonus. And then um, the Israel trip coming up June 7th to 17th. And I think that the, um, the Venturas are going on that, right? So, yeah. Right? Okay, yeah, they're going on that. And they're going to go and make a stop, as they Peggy shared at our last midweek, to do marriage dynamics there in, in Lebanon with the church. And it's kind of a, a dream uh, for them to go to the promised land, to be able to do marriage dynamics. And they're also helping out to train uh, one couple from each country there so they can do marriage dynamics in their own language. They're helping them to translate the material, not them personally, but the church in Lebanon is helping them to translate all the material into uh, Arabic. And uh, so it's, it's a cool trip. And I, I said this in the kids' kingdom too, but... If you go on this Israel trip then I, if you go then I don't want you to give your special missions contribution this year. Right? So use your money whatever you would give to go to Israel, okay? So I feel like that is a, an investment in the kingdom of God and in your future that's even bigger than just giving a little money here. But to, if you go there you're you're going to be changed for life. And you'll, you'll want to give the rest of your life, but just take the year off. Uh, and, and I had one brother that did that. I, I, got, I had to do it before because I was, I was the assistant minister in Orange County, so I had to do it on the down low. There was a brother, he's like, Hey, I'm going to give my special missions, but I really want to go to this Hope Conference. And he said, You know, this is really on my heart. And I said, Don't tell anybody. But just go to the conference and don't do your missions contribution this year. I said, just keep it on the down low. And it turned out he went to the mission to the Hope Conference. And then he got the dream and he changed his job. And now he is one of the directors at Hope. (laughs) And he is using his talents. He used to work for a hospital. And now he uses all his gifts to raise money and do everything for Hope. And it was because of that trip. And so it kind of gave me the, the, it kind of confirmed, like, hey, when you invest, God blesses you. You never know what you're going to do. Maybe you'll never come back from the Middle East when you go over there. But uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there. And, um, you know, because I, I, we got so close to that, to Israel. I mean, I was like, from me to Jason, it was like across the Jordan River. We were in Jordan. And, Israel was right over there. We didn't know we could go over there at that time because of some of the turmoil we found out that we could have. but uh, So take the chance while you got it, and um, you can bring back pictures and tell us all about it. That'll be awesome. So anyway, I wanted to throw that out there. Uh, so today, I'm ex- we're going to continue our emotionally healthy relationships, and we're going to be talking about the family of God. And it's, it's awesome to know that he has put us in his family. That we, have, we all have our parents and our, you know, lineage, but we have this as his family that Jesus even kind of broke tradition in his day and said, you know, who are my mother and brothers that all of you are my mother and brothers. That we're in the same family because we have the same father, which is God. And so today we're, we had one of our best uh, midweeks this past Wednesday and we started answering the questions about the, with the emotionally healthy uh, temperature, and it got into family. Some of the questions, I don't know if you guys did that in your groups, but some of the questions talked about how do you see this in your family or how, does, how, how are you compared to your family. And so we got on. We had probably the best conversation and the most openness that we've ever had in our group in like, year, like five years. And people are just sharing like this really amazing stuff. And as they were sharing, you just kind of realize, you know, as you get deeper into your life and you start sharing it with others, you need a lot of grace. Right. Because that becomes deep waters and you start all these emotions start coming in and you're like, I don't know about this. I don't really like the way this feels and I don't like how this went. And, you know, so we need a lot of grace for our families we need a lot of grace for ourselves. And those of you who have grown kids, you know, you hope that your kids have a lot of grace for you. Right? Because it, it all comes around and we think that we were the only ones affected, but then we also turn it around and we affect our own kids. Right? We try not to, but we do it anyways. And so we, I want to encourage you, even as we talk today, I might stir up some stuff. And it's kind of on purpose because I want God to be able to heal us. And if we're not willing to go there, then we never get healed. And so I want you to have a lot of grace for yourself, for your family on one hand. And I want you to have a lot of forgiveness in the other hand. So grace and forgiveness. That's just a good way to go through life. Grace and forgiveness. Two things that will help you get to heaven. Without those two things, you won't be making it. And neither will I. And so I want to encourage you with that. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit later. A reminder here uh, of the, the Bible's overall story. And today we're going to be talking about Israel, which is actually a person's name. So we're going to be talking about his family here today uh, as we go through um, some scriptures in Genesis. OK, so let's say a prayer and then we will uh, we will jump on into it here. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the way that you placed us where you placed us in this earth, God, that you put us in the families that you put us in, that you knew every day of our lives before it came to be, that you knit us together. You gave us our, our talents, our personalities, our, uh, our little quirks, everything that you've given us, God. I pray that you open up our hearts today, that we can glorify you, that we can see uh, how you're working in our lives, God. Help us to feel safe. Uh, Help us to feel that we can open up to you and really look at our lives so that you can make us better. We love you. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. So after the midweek, you know, it kind of took all of us by surprise. I'm looking for people in my group here, but it was just kind of like, wow, we didn't see that coming. And so the next day start having our quiet, my time with God. And I start thinking about, you know, how come I am the way I am? You ever had that thought? Why Why are you like you? You know, your your spouse probably asks you that every once in a while. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I've, I've been sharing up here um, a few weeks now about, you know, what I'm trying to grow in and trying to be more deep, trying to be more in touch with emotions, grief and loss. You know, I have, like, the best job in the world if you want to get in touch with grief and loss. Like, this is probably the best job anybody could ever have because I get to be around more grief and more loss than probably all of you. Because whenever that happens, it comes to me a lot of times. And so for someone like me, I don't always like that. But I believe God put me in this place so that I can grow. And that I can be, if, if I wasn't a minister, I wouldn't be even half as deep as I am. And I still have a long way to go. And so I just started thinking about my family and, you know, my mom's side, her, her dad was an alcoholic, and they had, there was a lot of abuse in the house. I won't get into all the details, because my parents are coming to visit in a couple of weeks, and I don't want it to be weird, okay? <laughs> but there was a lot of abuse in the house. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that, that her father, if you can imagine this, having like four kids, like age, I don't know, four to 13, there was a snowstorm coming in winter in New Jersey, And in the middle of the night, they packed up all their stuff and they moved to Florida. Just like on the spot. Can you imagine doing that? Like, okay, we're going on a trip and we're never coming back and we're leaving all our stuff. I mean, I don't know what they did. They just got whatever they needed and they just moved in the middle of the night to Florida. They're like, we're tired of winter. And you just think, imagine how that would affect your family that your father is that impulsive that he would just do that, and you just find out like at five o'clock and at midnight you leave wow. and that was kind of the 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 atmosphere there, and her you know like I said there was addiction abuse in their in her siblings uh, one of her sisters had a her she had a healthy baby who was hurt in birth by the doctor and turned out to be paraplegic, you know. And so that became her life when it was malpractice. They didn't sue anybody. It was just that they just lived with it. And so my mom at 16 was, like, saved by my dad. They got married at, like, she was 17. You know, they got married young back then. But I could see that it was like, hey, get me out of here. (laughs) you know, and I didn't know my grandfather real well, etc. but so she was saved of all the kids. And then on my dad's side, his dad was a doctor, and then his dad died suddenly when he was 11. He lived with his mom for a little while, and him and his brother were teenagers, or 11 and 13, and they were crazy, and so she couldn't handle them, and so they went off to live in an orphanage. At 11 years old, his sister stayed with mom and then went to Florida, and they ended up following her later. And so they grew up in this orphanage, didn't know anybody, and my dad kind of went this way, and my uncle went that way. My dad followed the rules. My dad prayed, and he kind of turned to God. And my, bro- my uncle didn't. He fought the system. He fought everybody. He fought classmates. He... That was kind of, so it was kind of like they had a choice to make. And so, in a way, looking, and this was all kind of just thinking about this this week, that both of my parents were kind of like saved out of their families. They were kind of the best of of their family in, in that situation. And I wonder why we didn't talk about emotions. Right? My mom didn't want to go there. And my dad never had anybody to process emotions with. So he didn't even know how to do that. So uh, so, long story short, I'm thinking about myself and going, you know what? I am the way I am for a reason. Like, it makes sense. Right. And hopefully when you look at your family, you go, you know what? I don't know if that takes any responsibility away from us. But in a way, you kind of feel like, okay, I, I see where I'm at. And I see that God is trying to get me to be better. But it, it makes sense. But the health thing, because then my you know, my mom, my dad's mom died when he was 15. So both his parents died, and then it, that kind of followed into my family where my brother passed away about 10 years ago, and my sister passed away about five years ago. That we kind of have this early death thing in our family, and with me too. So I'm just hoping to make it to 60, because it seems like, I have a genetic uh, thing that I think, I don't know if I shared that before. You probably forgot, but there's a genetic that makes us more prone to certain types of cancer. So basically, if we make it to 60, you're good. My dad's 85 now, so you can pray that I'll make it to 60. Um, But you see how that affects your family when people die young. My sister and my brother's family, that's what they're you know, overcoming, et cetera. Um, Why do I share all that? I just share that, hey, we're, this is a messy road, that we all got messy stuff that we don't talk about, and we know about, and our family members know about, and none of our friends know about, and no one at work knows about, and some people at church know about, and so, you know, It's this is a safe place. And it's not so that we can feel sorry for ourselves and stay wherever we are, but so that we can be real. And I believe God wants to heal us in all those places. Because we're going to talk about Israel and, and the, the people of God who were uh, shepherds. And you can I love this picture, but just that's what they did for life. They, they shepherded sheep. They had all these pastures that they'd go to. They went, ended up going into Egypt, and they took care of all these sheep. But when you start thinking about the family of God, the people that he used, you could almost look at it and say, why did he pick them? They were way more dysfunctional than any of our families could probably ever be. If you think about in their family, they, they were a blended, 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 blended family. That there was four wives and each had kids and they fought with one another, and there was favoritism, deceit, attempted murder within the family, slavery within the family, selling each other off, prostitution in the family, where the head of the family, or one of the, the brothers, you know, there was prostitution. There was rape in the family. There was murder and vengeance in the family, and there was a lot of selfishness ambition in this family and you go man god really like what were you what was it and there was a reason we're going to talk about that today but now that i got your attention we're going to read genesis chapter 37 and uh we'll see what god does here today um we're looking at the families here god says jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed the land of canaan this is the account of jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. That's not good. Because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And so you see in the beginning, it says that Jacob was living in the land of Canaan where God called his grandfather, Abraham, to go. And that was part of the why God picked this family, that they just up and moved. They broke culture, and he moved away from his family to go where God wanted him to be. And you can imagine what it was like to kind of be in this family where the youngest... Who's the any youngest siblings in here? Okay, I'm sure there was some resentment for you that you probably got more than your brothers and your siblings. And I was the youngest, so I can say that. Everything was never fair because I always got more and I never got punished for all the things they got punished for. And, you know, my parents, I was like 12 years younger, so it was kind of like they got to do Parenting 2.0... So they were a lot less crazy when I came around and so everybody was upset and you know we still had bickerings and my brother would never believe me and how they treated me you know it was just it was kind of a crazy crazy thing but so the 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 youngest one was uh spoiled here and it says that he made an ornate robe from him and I don't know many of you have listened to Bema the Bema podcast and his theory is that it wasn't just that he made him a really nice robe because they all had robes, but he gave him a second robe. So it wasn't that it was that nice. It was that he was giving him two, and it wasn't just that it was giving him two, but that was sending a message because in that time, the oldest got a double portion, and so it was his way of saying, you know, you're the youngest, but you're the oldest now. You're the one that's going to get all my blessing, not you guys, him. And so you can imagine where how the brothers felt about that. How come this young guy who's already spoiled, and now he's going to get our inheritance too. You, you can see why they got upset. And, you know, we maybe we have different stories in our own families about why certain people are upset at other people. And there's issues that you know, are, are kind of behind the scenes. But that's behind the scenes in this story here. And let's keep reading in, in, in verse 6 here. Okay, you guys still with me? Okay. He said, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Not too smart. When he had another dream, he told his brothers, Listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. I wonder what that means. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, Was, was it that dream? What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this in mind. And so they had this tension, and this kind of started off. This is chapter 37, and you can go read the rest of the chapters. But there's a lot of darkness that happens after this. They sell him into slavery, he, or they try to kill him first, then they decide to sell him into slavery, and he goes down to Egypt. Uh, works for Potiphar for a while, then gets thrown in prison, and there's all kinds of darkness. There's like 13 years of this. So he goes from having this dream to kind of being on his own, and there's all kinds of problems that happen within the family. One of the brothers that one of the brothers that wanted to uh, kill him, he was estranged from the other brothers for a while. You see, in chapter 38, it talks about Judah, and he goes off in different direction, and You know it is uh, pretty crazy that uh, how this all happens, and so what is what is my point about all this? When you go through this story, there's sometimes that they refer to they refer to Israel as Jacob, and sometimes they refer to him as Israel. And so Jacob, they refer to him as Jacob when he's acting like himself when he's acting like his sinful self. He's fearful. He's manipulative. He's not trusting God. And so there's a reason they write it in a certain way where he's following his normal way of going. He's following his kind of family, normal history without God. And then there's other times when they call him Israel, when he's trusting God and when he's going the right direction, when he's trusting the story that God is... Going, And I think that is the message for us, that we can follow the line and we can follow where our sinful self wants to go, or we can decide that we're going to trust God with our lives, that we're going to hold on to trust and forgiveness and generosity, and we can go that way. And for a lot of us, sometimes we go this way and sometimes we go that way. That's why we need a lot of grace. We can do that all on the same day. I can, in the morning, follow myself and in the, have a good night and really be faithful Christian. And then the next day I could reverse it and have a great morning and a terrible afternoon. And, but I think the idea of your family doesn't define you. Your earthly family does not define who you are. It's stupid to say that it doesn't affect you. But it doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to define your relationship with God. It doesn't have to define your family. Even though you're going to pass along some of that stuff that you said you never would, you will. Yeah. But hopefully you can pass on enough of the other stuff that it, it, God can still use you. And I think that's why God picked this family and allowed them to go through. They, were, they had some real faithful moments and they had some really bad moments. But for me, I look at them and I go, you know, we're not that bad. God can use them. He can use us. He can use me if he can use them. Because that's pretty pretty messed up. And so I pray that today that we leave here thinking about what the what is the, the Israel part of my life, the godly part of my life, and be committed to that and not turn to the worldly side of ourselves or just the, the, the family line that we've gotten. Because we're the, we're the family of God but we can be the family of God or we can just be ourselves. That's our choice. Individually and as a church we can be the family of God where we give love and we pass on God's blessings and we take care of people and we love people or we can... Just take care of ourselves and do whatever we want to do. I believe we want to be the family of God. That's why we're here. But that takes each one of us choosing that in an amazing way. You know, we had a great... This is kind of where the family of God started, or a picture of that, where the three men came to Abraham, Abram at the time, and he made a big feast for them. They were passing through, and generosity was a huge thing. And that's why a lot of the... Eastern peoples value this generosity. You probably heard about that, but that came from Abraham, and his treatment of these visitors, and so that's his. That's why God picked him. You know, that's what he had inside of him. Although he had a lot of other things, but that's what God wanted him to continue to follow. Uh, we got a little taste of that generosity yesterday. We went over to uh, Barry's house, and. Uh, Kind of had an impromptu hangout time. We almost watched Alabama lose, but they ended up winning at the end, unfortunately. But we had like a feast. We had like ribs, and we had beans with rib meat in it, and we had two different types of chicken wings. I mean, we had an awesome time. But that's, isn't that feel great when you get just encouraged like that? You go up to somebody's house, and they just like hook you up, and you're just like, leaving fat and happy. We even had, you know, ribs for lunch today. So we had like two meals out of it. I a breakfast. And breakfast, Manny. And uh, and then God, in, you know, anyway, he ended up winning in cards too. So that was fun. God blessed him for his generosity. But it just made me think that, man, we all have that inside of us. That generosity, that love. You think about when someone comes to your house, you're taking care of them. You're offering them drinks, food. You 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 don't just have them over and not talk to them, right? You, you you talk to them. You're giving. You're out of yourself. You're not like it'd be kind of a bummer. You walk over to somebody's house and you're, and and they're like, "How are you?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm terrible. I had a rough day. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I just can't wait till you leave so I can go to sleep." <laughs> you know, like that's not the spirit of God, right? But that whole Welcoming hospitality is the spirit of Christ. Then that's the spirit that He's given all of us. That that's when we're in our best form, so to speak, uh, spiritually. And that's you know I pray that we can continue to be those people that welcome, that encourage, that give to each other. So now we're going to fast forward to uh, chapter 50. We're going to skip over a lot of stuff. You can read it this week if you want. And the, the, this point is to live your better lives, trusting God, generosity, being generous and forgiving, not just to go with who we are naturally, but go with who we are spiritually. And I want to look at this. After all these problems, there's a famine. There, you know, you, you know the story. But this is kind of the reconciliation of the Book of Genesis, where the brothers come back together. And this is after their their father has died. They've all moved back down to Israel. God's really taking care of them. And the brothers are kind of nervous that he's going to hold a grudge. And so we'll pick it up at this point. Sorry if I had to skip a lot of the middle part here. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of of the God your father. When this message came to him, Joseph wept. And there was a lot of hurt in his world right he he was successful and on the outside but there were still those family pains that no one probably knew about right he was the second in charge of all of Egypt i'm sure that he didn't share all this stuff with 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 many people but there was a deep healing that had to happen and i think them coming to him like this was part of that healing And he says, his brothers came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You know, their father had this same kind of reconciliation towards the end of his life. That he had stolen from his brother, and he had taken advantage of his brother. And at the end of their lives, they had this confrontation that wasn't a confrontation, but it was a reconciliation. And that's where he wrestled with God. And, you know, all these boys knew about this story, that their dad was a deceiver. That their dad stole the birthright from their uncle. He stole all the things that wasn't his. And then he reconciled at the end of his life. And he even had the limp to show for it. And so in so many ways, his sons are reliving the exact same story in a different way. That they are throwing themselves down to be reconciled for the sins that they have committed to their brother. And it's a beautiful story that they all forgive, that he's generous, that he provides for them, that he's speaking kindly. He had every right to pay him back. He could have had him killed. He could have given him the junky land. He could have done anything he wanted, but he chose to go with the better nature that God had given him. And, you know, with all of us, when we look at maybe how we've been treated, we have a lot of rights to do and to not forgive and to feel certain things. And, and yet I'm here to plead with your spiritual natures to forgive, to live those words out that Jesus said that I forgive you so that you could forgive others and to bless those that don't deserve to be blessed. What a beautiful story. It says, Joseph, this is the end of the book of Genesis. It says that Joseph stayed in Egypt along with his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. So he saw his great-great-grandkids. And the children of Machir, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, even as they were struggling and they were reconciling, he still realized that this isn't where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be over there, where we came from. And he still had faith that God was going to take them over there, even though it was going to be quite a while. said, so Joseph made the Israelites swear on oath, and said, God will surely come to your aid, and you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and they embalmed him, and he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. And so he was trusting God's story that we reconciled, and now, but God's still not done with us. He has an amazing plan for us. when you look, it took hundreds of years for this to happen, but they did carry his bones into the promised land. That far beyond when we're gone, God is still going to be working with our legacy and our family, our spiritual family and our physical family. And prayerfully, they'll take that faith with them and be able to go into that promised land after us. And I love that picture of of you know, uh, that shepherd carrying the sheep, you know, and just how God was carrying me. He says, you intended it for harm, but God was carrying me the whole time. God was with me. And he had that faith that we need to hold on to ourselves. I can imagine when, uh, as we take our communion, that Jesus was kind of talking about this whole story of Passover and being taken out of, Egypt into the promised land and carrying Joseph's bones and it doesn't really say all that Jesus said at the last supper, but I don't think it was just this. He probably had a lot to say about a life of faith and following your following God versus following yourselves. And, you know, it's pretty amazing uh, to think about this conversation that he had talking about this Passover that we read today. And uh, before I read this passage, uh, this week I went on a little hiking expedition uh, on, on Friday, uh, and it was kind of just like a re- little mini retreat, right, to go up and just, I just want to be with God in the mountains, you know, I was going to go with somebody else, a few other people, but they kind of fell through, so I ended up going up there, and, and, um, I didn't make it to the top of the mountain. It got it was closed because of snow, et cetera. But you know, I think that I did feel like I had an encounter with the Lord on this trip. I know it sounds a little weird, but uh, the message that I got out of it was basically that we have a lot of I have a lot of blessings in my life that I'm I'm alive that God's blessed my family and myself in so many different ways. I've got probably problems I could talk about too, but he's blessed my life in so many ways. And kind of the, the message that I got was, it's time for us to move on. Amen. You know, we had a little talk on uh, Tuesday with the Yesters, and, you know, Nikki had a very wise word. She, she quoted Philippians 4.8 and said, whatever is good, whatever is true, noble, faithful, Excellent, praiseworthy. Think about these things. Yeah. As Christians, those are the things that we want to guide our lives. And I, I realized that in the, you know, it's, we talked about it enough that there's been some difficult times. And so I felt like, you know, I have the choice up on this mountain. This, I'm having this conversation with me and God and myself up there of like, hey, I can keep looking into this dark hole of all the problems and all the things that went wrong and all the difficulties in life, in our church life, in my personal life, whatever. I have a choice. I could keep looking into that. I could get up every day and look at that hole. But that's not what God wants me to be. That's not who God wants me to be. So I'm coming down the mountain and I, I just covered that hole up. I'm not trying to ignore my grief and all that stuff I talked about that earlier but the way that to live the Christian life is to not dwell on all the negative stuff and to me that hole represents Jacob that represents my old life I can keep looking at that I can get upset about that I can be angry about that I can be hurt by that or I can close it up trust it to the Lord And focus on what we have to do as a church. And focus on God has plenty of people that I need to be loving. Not looking at the whole getting depressed. That he wants me welcoming people. He wants me serving others. He wants us doing good. And to stop talking about that. And so for whatever it's worth, whatever dark hole you've been looking in, Maybe today's the day for you to cover it up. Just say, you know what? And ask yourself, this is what I ask wife. So what good has that done for me to go get up every day and look in that hole? What good has that done? So why do I keep doing it? Because I choose to. (laughs) It's not rocket science. You know, what we choose to focus on determines how we are. And so I came down the mountain and said, you know what, I'm not opening up that hole. God's going to bring me enough pain and grief in the future as I'm trying to do what I need to do. I already know that. But I don't need to keep going there. We don't need to keep going there. And so I'm kind of giving us permission today to cover up the hole, don't keep looking in it, and do what God is calling us to do. Nobody's keeping us from doing that. And there's a lot of people that are waiting for us and are waiting for me and are waiting for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as they, they, let's take communion here. It says, when the, Lord Jesus and the, when the hour came, Jesus and the apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to pray together and then I want us to take, do something a little different today and take the, we're going to do communion like all together. And this is going to be kind of symbolic of like, hey, we're, we're moving on with Christ. He's forgiven us and we're all going to move on uh, together. So pray with me. God, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the grace and forgiveness that you've given us. Help us to hold on to them with all of our heart, especially as we get deep with one another and even get deep with you and look into our past. And I pray that we can hold on to the good. I pray that you can mold us into who you want us to be, God. I know you want us to trust you. I know you want us to forgive. I know you want us to live generous lives, God. Help us to do that uh, with your power and to your glory. Thank you for Jesus giving up his life for us, and we pray this in his name. Amen.